Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. That's right, the mic is on and the pig snorted. Yes, my name is Joseph Oscar. I'm hosting today's program, The Anarchist World, this week. Nothing wrong with pigs. They are nature's garbage machine. They will eat anything, including human remains, if you ask the K brothers in London. But they're gone, so you'll have to speak to them in hell. Okay, this is The Anarchist World this week, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast, so if a pig bites your foot, and you have to run away. Don't despair. Don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access it by going to 3cr.org.au. What's an anarchist society? Anarchos without rulers. How do you create a viable, secure community without rulers? By giving people the ability to be involved in the decision-making processes. Direct democracy is one way of doing that and by holding wealth in common to ensure everybody benefits from the common wealth. Equal power, equal wages, if you want to make it simple. Very simple. That's how to create a society without rulers, because how do rulers get the authority? Very simple. By having power, by having the ability to exercise power and wealth, which gives them the ability to control the rest of us. So very simple. That's what anarchism is all about. How we get from here to there is a million-dollar question, and a lot of people have got different ideas. And like everything else, everything's up for grabs. Now, what a week. What a week. What a week. Sometimes you wonder what's going on. Now, I think maybe you've heard me use the word tsunami that over the last 40 years in this country and most of the rest of the world, we've been um, inundated by a privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, deregulation tsunami. And think about a tsunami, if you watch it, it builds and builds and builds, it crashes, causes damage and then disappears. Well, that's what we're seeing now, is we're seeing the tail end of a neoliberal tsunami which has swept the world, and especially Australia, where a country which relied on a mixed economy 
where essential services were provided through publicly owned institutions now finds itself at the mercy of the private sector. So what are these 40 years, this 40-year tsunami done? And you can see it all around you. You've got job insecurity. You've got the destruction of essential services, the public education sector, the public health sector. You've got the inability of the state to actually provide a much-needed infrastructure. You've got an increasing divide between those who share the good life and those who watch other people sharing the good life, waiting for the crumbs to be brushed off the corporate table. And the thing about tsunamis is they do cause damage. But what normally happens after a tsunami, people get together and rebuild. And they don't normally rebuild the same way. They rebuild in a different capacity. And that's what we're faced with today. We are seeing the tail end of the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation tsunami. The tail end. We are witnessing the damage. We saw the wave rise and rise and rise and rise and closed our eyes and said, well, it'll never hit our shores. It'll never have any effect on us. And now we are paying the price. It's a very big price. Because over a hundred years of struggle, which resulted in the creation of public institutions and social policies which attempted, the key word is attempted, to give all Australians the same opportunities. Obviously didn't work for some groups, but attempted, has now been swept away. And we face, in many regards, a ground zero situation as far as that damage is concerned. So what do we do? Do we pray and things will get better? Do we look around and wait for the aid to pour in? It's not going to happen. Do we beg and beseech our political and corporate masters to do the right thing by us? Or do we pick up the apple cart, put the apples back in the apple cart ourselves and recreate that new world in our hearts? And that's the issue at hand today. The issue isn't whether neoliberalism was just a fancy word for removing rules and regulations which protect people and protect workers from exploitation. That's deregulation. Neoliberalism, which is a fancy word for corporatisation, which you've seen in the 7-Eleven case, where corporations basically do what they like. Not only do they dictate government policy, 
but they actually flout the law. We see globalisation where things that have been set up to protect local industries are swept away in the vain hope that we're all going to be lifted. And then you've seen privatisation, which is a fancy word for saying giving away much-needed, profit-making public assets to the private sector. And the latest casualty in this country was Medibank Private and all those Medibank Private customers who are now bitching about the changes Medibank Private has made in order to uh, you know, maximise profits for their major shareholders need to think about you know, what's happened. So this is the situation. Now, public interest before corporate interests was formed as a political ginger group and a social and cultural group whose primary agenda is to put the public interest before the corporate interest in the public mind. And their slogan is very simple. We are the people we've been waiting for. Not the government of the day, not the government in waiting, the Australian Labor Party, not the government in waiting, waiting, the Australian Greens, not the corporate sector, not the law courts, not the bureaucracy, not the public service, but we are the people we've been waiting for. Because over the last 40 years, we have seen the word public expunged from the public debate. There is no public debate. We have seen the concept of the public good being totally excised from the Australian experience. I mean, everything that's public is bad. Bad, 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 we're told. And it's only when the private sector gets its little claws into that facet of human existence that things will improve. Well, how have they improved? Let's look at labour. Work. People selling their labour in order to survive. Workers. Simple. Let's see what's happened. Now, what globalisation and privatisation and corporatisation and deregulation have allowed to occur is a pincer movement on Australian workers. What do I mean by a pincer movement? On the one hand, we have the outsourcing of jobs from this country to countries or parts of the world where there are no workers' compensation schemes, no overtime payment, no sickness benefits, no basic wage, no regulations which protect workers, and we're seeing Australian company and multinational corporations based in this company 
in this country sending all these jobs offshore, not for the good of the Australian people, but for their own personal good, to maximise profits for the owners of these industries and the major shareholders of these companies, those that are listed on the stock exchange. And then at the same time, that is one end of the pincer. And on the other end of the pincer, we have student visas and 457 visas, which provide a docile, cheap labour supply to businesses in this country. And as we've seen with the 7-Eleven experiment, where franchisees get 43% of profits and head office gets 57% of profits. As we've seen, the only way the franchisees can make a buck is by exploiting their workers, which is something which is well known in the 7-Eleven model. So we have this situation, we have this pincer movement where wages are kept down, regulations are chipped away, overtime payments come under the gun and every single initiative which has been won through the blood, sweat and tears of generations of workers is stripped away, watered down, forgotten about in that drive for profits. And what do we get? We become consumers, carping consumers, grabbing out the little baubles, the new car, the new TV set, the new computer screen, as if these goods will somehow free us from our oppression. The spectacle triumphs. That's the dilemma. That is the dilemma. We have a government and an opposition which ring, which read and sing from the same hymn book. Glory be to privatisation. Glory be to corporatisation. Glory be to globalisation. Glory be to deregulation. Some sing louder than others, but that's the essence of the Australian economic and political hymn sheet in this country. That's the very essence that we face on a day-to-day basis. So as I said before, public interest before corporate interest has been established a few months ago for that very reason, to once again raise the flag of public interests to once again say this is no longer acceptable, to once again say change is not only desirable but necessary, to once again say hope, the love child of desire and expectation becomes the primary political force in this country. Hope for real change that has an effect which will benefit over 80% of the people in this country. That's right. And those of you who subscribe to the 1%, 99% theory, which seems to be doing the rounds currently, crap. Total crap. No system can actually survive on a 1%, 99% divide. What we have in this country is a 20%, 80% divide. 
we have 20% of people in this country, people like to call themselves as investors or high rollers or, uh, you know, self-employed people who are making a fair bit of money by exploiting other people's wages, who are doing exceptionally well. And once again, the figures that have come out last week have highlighted that the incomes of the top 10% have increased by over 8% in the last year. So top 20%. So we've got this group of Australians, this group of people in Australia who are doing really well out of the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, tsunami. They have done very well because they've been sitting up on the hill watching the tsunami do damage to the rest of the country while they've been, you know, uh, getting the contracts to rebuild. So whether it's people with huge amounts of disposable income who can actually use this country's superannuation laws to... uh, not pay tax legally, whether it's corporate corporate Australia, multinational corporations based in this country who pay voluntary taxation, like the Dexas Property Group, which owns $19 billion of real estate in this country, $19 billion, my apologies, pays less than 5% tax. IKEA, the Swedish multinational corporation, pays 3% tax. And then the Really, really, the gold star, the gold medalist in legal tax minimisation and evasion, the Murdoch Empire. Mr Murdoch's News Corporation received an $886 million tax refund at the end of 2013 during the last federal election. You know, when Mr Hockey was asked to comment, he said, no comment. 21st Century Fox, the other arm of the Murdoch Empire, less than point 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 seven five percent tax. All done legally. So you've got all these people and their hangers-oners who are doing really well, using negative gearing to minimise their tax income while maximising their investment portfolio, then people who borrow money to buy shares and then offset their losses, you know, by uh, claiming a tax deduction for any losses they made, on their purchase, a little bit like going to the bookmaker, right? This is a little bit like going to the bookmaker, giving him 10 bucks, and then you lose, and you go back to the bookmaker and say, can you give me $15 back, brother? (laughs) That's what it's like. It's that simple. So we have this 20% of people who are doing really well, sending their kids to private schools, having their holidays, you know, exploiting their... uh, workers, negative gearing, increasing their superannuation, nest egg, their retirement fund, nest egg. And then we have Middle Australia. Another, oh, about 40 to 45% of the country. Now, Middle Australia grabbed the baubles. They grabbed the baubles. When they saw the cheap cars, the widescreen TVs, the computers, the cheap holidays, the cheap clothes, they thought, whoop-dee-doo, it's consumer nirvana, consumer heaven, consumer orgasm. Whoop-dee-doo. And for the last 10, 15, 20 years, we've been reaping those benefits of the exploitation of other people's labour, not just in this country, but 
overseas in some of the most miserable conditions, grabbing the baubles, ignoring the porridge. Now, Middle Australia is right at the tail end of this tsunami as it crashes across the coastline on this continent. Middle Australia is there at the cutting edge, living a life based on the availability of easy credit where you pay high interest rates, you know. Yeah, they pay, what, 1%? You pay 21% on your credit card? So Middle Australia has kind of been living this idyllic dream. And now Middle Australia is beginning to see the tsunami deluge them, break up their little houses, drown their cars, upset their kiddies. Because that's what's happening in this country today. What we are seeing is Middle Australia going backwards. What we are seeing is Middle Australia being submerged in a mountain of debt. What we are seeing is the children of Middle Australia not being able to secure that secure job, let alone a well-paid job. What we are seeing is with the privatisation of essential services, whether it's energy production, whatever it is, we are seeing prices, not decrease as we were told, but escalate. What we are seeing is an increasing cost to access goods and more importantly services, essential services that were able to be accessed in the past. So Middle Australia is now beginning to realise that they are at the tail end of this neoliberal tsunami and that everything they've created, everything they've aspired to, you know, the mythical aspirational voters, is now up for grabs. It's about to be washed back into the sea while the 20% sit on the hills watching, waiting, watching, waiting to make, you know, to make the situation as profitable for them and their kiddies as possible. And then we have the 33% of Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive. People, the increasing number of people on unemployment benefits. The increasing number of people on disability support pensions. The increasing number of Australians who find that their superannuation package are, are illusory who find themselves on an old age pension, 33%. Most of whom, if they don't own some type of shelter, so roof over their heads, find themselves on the poverty line, find themselves paying 50 to 60% of their income, paying rent, because the governments, both state and federal, at the state and federal level, have absolved themselves of the responsibility of providing public housing. So that's the situation we find ourselves in, in 2015, where we are rapidly, rapidly racing back to the 19th century, where the sole aim of the state, the sole aim of government was to ensure that those 
who exercise power, those who had wealth continue to exercise power and maintain and expand their wealth at the expense of the rest of the community. And hence, we are seeing the development of social, political and cultural movements all across Europe, which are questioning, questioning the situation. Hence, public interest before corporate interests. Now, public interests before corporate interests, we are very keen to expand across the nation. And if you're listening to this program in Fargaminda or Curtin or Canberra or Adelaide or Launceston or Udnadatta or Cairns or Darwin or Derby, it doesn't matter, or Bridgewater, if you're listening to this program and you're saying, that old bastard knows something, maybe he's finally sorted it out. Maybe he, you know, what he's talking about makes sense. Well, then I encourage you, encourage you to join public interests before corporate interests. Now, we are hoping to have public interests before corporate interests to be registered as a political party by the end of 2015. Although, if things go according to plan and the Liberal Party loses the Canning by-election and Mr Turnbull becomes the next Prime Minister of Australia, it's highly likely that we'll see an election in in November, late November this year, uh, because Mr Turnbull knows, being an investor of note and a relatively rich gentleman, he knows that things are going pear-shaped as far as the economy is concerned, and any Prime Minister who uh, takes over from Abbott has been given a poison chalice if he continues, you know, if he thinks that 2016 things are going to turn around, because they're not. They're not. So how do you do it? Well, how do you join public interest before corporate interest? You can go to their website. Now, the website has been down for a few days due to technical issues, but it's been sorted out. You can go to the website, and the website is pibci.net, pibci.net. You can email them at info at pibci.net. Ain't got a computer? Have a phone? Leave a message on 0439 395 489. Don't like using the devil's instruments, the computer and the phone? You can always write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can always look at their Facebook page. The Facebook page for public interest before corporate interests. Have a look at the Facebook page, public interest before corporate interests. You can tweet, yes, uh, at P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U. You like that? At P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U. Follow the tweets. Or you can go onto the YouTube and have a look at the uh, latest uh, video. I think there's a full 45-minute extravaganza you know, highlighting the need to put public interest before corporate interests. Now, if you want to form an organisation in your part of town, Give us a ring, email us, write to us. Happy to help because this movement will only get anywhere with widespread support. It is an umbrella organisation. You can be a Christian, you can be a Muslim, you can be an atheist, you can be gay, you can be, you know, you can be whatever you like. As long as you're interested in the concept of 
putting the public interest before corporate interests. That's what the organisation is about. That's what it's about. And if you find yourself in the city of Melbourne where this disease, that's right, this disease took off a few months ago, you're welcome to come to a three event. All our events are free, obviously, for public interest before corporate interest. Welcome to come along to the Wheeler Centre. Where's the Wheeler Centre? Well, the Wheeler Centre is at 176 Lonsdale Street in Melbourne. And there'll be a keynote public meeting. And there'll be three speakers. Joan Coxedge, long-time activist, artist and writer. Rod Quantock, Mr Quantock, activist, satirist, speaker and entertainer. And yours truly, Dr Joseph Toscana, the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest National Convener. It's at 6pm. 6pm, Monday the 14th of September. Monday the 14th of September, it goes from 6 to 8pm. And their motto, we are the people we've been waiting for. If you want further information, you can ring the organiser of the public meeting, this keynote public meeting at the Wheeler Centre, uh, Richard Tate, on 0397857079. Uh, 0397857079. There are three branches currently active, Pipsy Hastings in the uh, Western Port region of Victoria, Pipsy Melbourne North, North of the Arrow, and Pipsy Frankston. Now, if you are a member of the Pipsy Frankston group, I mean, these people these people all meet regularly. Meetings, are, you can look at them up on the uh, website. But the Pipsy Frankston group are also now doing a little bit of direct action. Every Thursday at 11am sharp, they are outside uh, the office of the Federal Member for Frankston, one of Mr Abbott's greatest supporter, Mr Bilson, the Minister for Small Business. They'll be there next to Centrelink at 21 Davy Street in Frankston at 11am. So if you've got nothing to do, jump on a train and join them because they're having a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and they're educating a lot of people and they're causing a little bit of consternation to Mr Bruce Bilson, the member for Frankston, who's hopefully will no longer be the member for Frankston after the next federal election, whether it's held by Turnbull in November or Abbott in September next year. So, keynote public meeting, the Willis Wheeler Centre, 176 Little Lonsdale Street, Melbourne. Joan Coxedge, Rod Quantock, Joseph Toscano, the speakers, 6pm, Monday the 14th of September, three event, yes, doesn't cost a cent, 039 Seven eight five seven zero seven nine. Look at the website, pipsy.pibci.net. Look at the Facebook page, tweet at pipsy underscore au. Look at the YouTube uh, extravaganzas. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3CR .org.au 3cr.org.au The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au Want to find out what the Anarchist Media Institute is doing? Go to the website anarchistmedia.org anarchistmedia.org Pull down what you like, use what you like uh, You know, no copyright as far as you're not a, a not-for-profit group if you're, a, if you're a profit group you touch it, you pay 
Okay, that's the way it goes. This is the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scar, I'm hosting today's program. If you want to leave a message for me, 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Let's move on to Syria. It's taken four years, hasn't it? Four years of a brutal civil war for the world to begin to notice that half of the 23 million people that lived in Syria have now been forced to leave their homes. That over a quarter of a million have died. And what we've seen is a struggle which was an initially a popular struggle against an authoritarian regime led by the Assad family who've ruled Syria for decades, been hijacked by an authoritarian religious fundamentalist group who believes there's only one way to salvation, their way, and if you're not willing to, you know, Bend the knee, your head's off. Extraordinary, and we've just watched. We haven't pushed for a political solution. We've watched. And it doesn't matter how many refugees this country takes, and they won't be taking very many, I can assure you. I mean, the maximum that we, you know, the ALP has said is 10,000, and the maximum the Australian Greens have said is 20,000, and the maximum the Liberal National Party have said is nothing. We're not going to increase the refugee intake. So what is needed is a political solution. These are authoritarian regimes which should be removed from the face of the earth. These are regimes which have the same smell as the Nazi party and the Italian fascists during the, and, the, and the Japanese militarists during the Second World War. These are regimes who will not stop at anything in order to consolidate their power and impose their will on people. And you think it's just in Syria. It's not. We have our own Syria. 200 kilometres from the tip of Australia in West Papua. Since 1961, over 500,000 people have died from a population of less than 2 million in the independent struggle of the West Papuan activists. And Mr Philippe Karma, one of the major leaders of the West Papua Independence Movement is, was put in an Indonesian jail in 2004 for 15 years for having the audacity to fly the morning star in West Papua 
has refused to accept his remissions from prison because he says, I'm a political prisoner. I did nothing wrong. All I did is raise a flag and all I've been doing is exercising, you know, talking about the aspirations of the West Papuan people to be an independent country. And what do we do? Well, we do nothing. When a prominent Darwin activist was killed in a bicycle accident 18 months ago and a condolence motion was raised in Parliament by the then DLP member of the Senate, the Alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the Australian Labor Party and the Liberal National Party refused to pass the condolence motion unless the word West Papua was removed. And this well-known activist was a you know, West Papuan activist. So what can you do? Look, Syria is Syria. There's not too much you can do. We can put pressure on the government to accept more refugees. We can put pressure to come to some type of political solution which sees these authoritarian regimes swept from the face of the universe. We can accept more refugees, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but there's not much you can do. But as far as the West Papuan independence movement is concerned, there is a lot you can do. 18 months ago, a number of concerned Australians who saw how marginalised and ostracised the West Papuan independence movement was in this country, got together and formed the West Papuan independence movement Rent Collective. And the whole purpose of the Rent Collective was to give the West Papuan independence movement a base in Australia via which they could conduct their independence struggle without having to worry about paying the rent. Now, currently, we find ourselves in a relatively difficult situation as former members of the Rent Collective are no longer in a position to contribute. And we need 75 people who are willing to pay $30 a month to keep the office going. Now, this isn't just some little office in the middle of nowhere. This office is situated in the centre of the Melbourne CBD in Docklands. And what having an office there does, it gives them the opportunity of West Papuan activists, and nobody who works in the office is paid. They are all volunteers. They're all West, most of them are West Papuans or supporters. They're all volunteers. It gives them an opportunity to coordinate that struggle. And we saw how effective the office was in coordinating that struggle for West Papua independence when the Melanesian Spearhead Group a few months ago granted observer status to the West Papua independence movement, which will make it a lot easier for the question of West Papua independence to be raised in the United Nations and many of the other world forums which occur, which occur all over the place. Now, we are looking for new members, but we always have a try-before-you-buy policy. And this Sunday, the 13th of September, Sunday, the 13th of September, from midday to 3pm, the West Papua Independence Office is having a celebration 
for Rent Collective members and supporters and people who are interested in joining the Rent Collective. Food, music, speakers. And we encourage you, if you're coming, to bring some food and drinks to the communal table. So it's this Sunday, midday at 3pm, at 838 Collins Street, Docklands. If the front door is closed, just walk down the side gate and they're at the back in the big meeting room next to the garden. There'll be lots of people there you can mingle with. 838 Collins Street in Docklands. Come and have a look. For the price of a packet of cigarettes, two large pizzas, two Chinese main courses, you can actually physically support, give physical support, real support to the West Papua Independence Movement in our own backyard. People who are paying the ultimate price, people who have been exiled from their country, people who have been jailed, people who have been murdered on a daily basis because they've had the audacity to say, we want independence from the Indonesian government. We failed. The country failed West Papuans during the Menzies era in 1961. It's time that we made amends for that. So I encourage you to come along this Sunday. If you're a member of the Rent Collective, if you want to be a member, if you want to see what's going on, if you want to check out the office, this is a great opportunity. Suite 211, 838 Dockland Street. Sorry, 838 Collins Street in Docklands. If you can't make it, don't despair. Office hours are Monday to Friday, 9.30am to 5pm. You can telephone the office, find out when they're open, pop in, have a look. Very friendly people. Have a look at what they're doing. Telephone is 039-049-9590. You can call the office manager directly, Amos, on 0431 284 731 to arrange a meeting or you can go to their website www.dfait.federalrepublicofwestpapua.org www.dfait.federalrepublicofwestpapua.org It would be a pity to see this initiative which has now been going for 18 months go to the war for the sake of a few thousand dollars. We're talking about a rent of about $2,250 per month. Every dollar donated to the rent collective goes to pay the rent. I check the books personally as the convener of the West Papua Independence Movement Rent Collective. I check the books every month and I can give a personal guarantee to anybody who joins the rent collective that every dollar donated goes to pay the rent. All other activities are self-funded through the West Papua Independence Movement and the small West Papua community which exists in this country. And if you're talking about giving refugees asylum, how about some of the 30,000 West Papuans that have been rotting in camps in New Guinea for the last 30 years? All those who are trying to escape from West Papua today who are consistently denied entry into this country. So you've got nothing to do in the city of Melbourne. Looks like it's all happening in Melbourne, doesn't it, this weekend? 
Sunday the 13th of September, midday to 3pm, 838 Collins Street, Docklands. If you want to be a member of the Rent Collective and you can't make it on the day, don't despair. You can ring me on 0439. 395-489. Leave a message, as a few people have done over the past few weeks as we call for new members. 0439-395-489. Write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Or email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com and we'll give you the details. Now, you can donate anonymously. Uh, we've got, it's just a matter of putting your $30 in every month into a, any Commonwealth Bank branch across the country. Got all the details here and we're happy to pass them on to you. You don't have to, you don't have to tell anybody. It could be your secret vice. You know, could be a secret vice. Some people read under the covers by torchlight. Others, you know, do unspeakable things, but your secret vice could be donating $30 a month to the West Papuan Rent Collective and nobody need to know about it. Or you can do it openly and you can tell people you're a member of the Rent Collective and you're proud to be a member of the Rent Collective. And the other reason, we have an Aust- it's Australians' supporters who are helping pay the rent is a government can't do anything about it. They can put pressure on West Papua activists who are here on protection visas, who are here, who haven't got, who've only got, haven't got residents, they can't put any pressure on any of us, unless you're a dual national. But that's a different story. Listen to the Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Justice Scar. I'm hosting today's program. So, look, we're not asking you to march, jump up and down three or four times a year. There's an event at the office for the Rent Collective members, their family and friends. Come along. Join one of the most ostracised, marginalised and despised independence movements who are conducting an extraordinary struggle against the Indonesian state. This is the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, we've got an exceptionally busy four to five months. It's extraordinary how busy we are. Now, on the 9th of October, Friday the 9th of October, it's Human Rights Day. Did you know that? Didn't know that, did you? Well, it's Human Rights Day as far as Peter Norman is concerned. And I spoke about Peter Norman last year and I'll speak about him it's a bit closer to the day. So join us at midday at, at uh, City Square, that's in Melbourne, to honour Peter Norman, a great Australian who's been expunged from the history books. Coburg boy believe it or not, Coburg boy. All right, that's the 9th of October. Then on the 8th of November, we'll be going to Murchison to pay our respects to uh, Fantin. Mr Fantin was murdered at Camp Love Day in 1942, a long time ago, 73 years ago. Francisco Fantin, anarchist, atheist, anti-militarist, murdered, by fascists. Could you imagine a refugee comes to this country in the 20s, works in the Geelong woolen mills in the cane fields of North Queensland, committed anti-fascist, foundation member of the Matteotti Club in the Agricultural Hall across from Trades Hall here in Melbourne, you know, great anti-fascist, involved in countless struggles against Italian fascism, trying to alert the Australian people to what's going to happen in Europe as World War II approaches. 
gets caught up in the internment campaign, gets jailed in turn with hundreds of Italian fascists, gets killed. We go to his, we remember him. We go to Murchison Cemetery, 10 a.m. on the second Sunday of the month, which will be, and we encourage you to come along. I mean, it's a, uh, there's an Italian community uh, festival. It's all types of people. That's the great thing about war. You've got the, everybody in the same ossuary. You've got the fascists, you've got the anarchists, you've got the socialists, and you've got all those poor apolitical people who are caught up and in turn because, you know, at some stage there are Italians. So come along and after, join us for a picnic on the bank of the river. Great day. We've been doing it for a number of years now. Great day. Then it gets better. It gets better. Now, you may find this hard to believe, and I'll talk about it later on in the next week or two, but there's a play. Yes, I've written a play. And finally, it's going to be performed. World first. 11 performances at the Trades Hall in Melbourne. Preview on the 11th of November, and it's, it finishes on the 21st of November. Now, this is a big undertaking, a big undertaking. We need about a 1,000 people to come along, not at once, during the 11th performances to break even. Now, I don't expect to break even, but it's a 21st century parallel parable rooted or based on 20, 20th century experiences. It's called Q7461. How the Antichrist becomes the saviour. The Antichrist becomes a saviour. Quite interesting. Well, I have to say that because I wrote it. So uh, 11 performances in total, 11th of November to the 21st of November, and uh, hopefully in the next few weeks you'll be able to book tickets because pre-production has just begun. Nascent, I think is the word, N-A-S-E-C-E-N-T. But knowing my spelling, it's not wrong. And then it gets better. It gets better. We've got the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations, which we're holding in Ballarat, which we've now held for about 13 years, which go from 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. That's right, 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. Now, lots of our listeners get involved in that, and they come along for the dawn ceremony of the Eureka Park next to the old Eureka Memorial at the corner of Eureka and Stall Street in Ballarat. And normally that Eureka, uh, that dawn ceremony is broadcast live on Community Radio 3CR, which you can access by going to 3cr.org.au from 4am to 6am. Then we have breakfast at where else but Eureka Hall. You've got to kind of walk about 25 metres to get there. Or you can lounge on the grass on the hill. You bring your own food and drinks. We don't cater. We never cater. It's self-catering, bring your own food and drinks, and a little bit extra to share with people who can't bring their own food and drinks. 9am, we march from Eureka Park to Bakery Hill to reaffirm the Eureka Oath and to present the Eureka Australia Day medals at Australia Bank. Now, so if you know somebody whose life reflects the ideas which are expressed in the Eureka Oath, we swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. They can be dead, they can be alive. Let us know. Six Eureka Australia Day medals given out at Bakery Hill every year. Ring us, 
No, don't ring us. You need to write or email. Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Name, reason why, and how we can contact them. And uh, we can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Then we walk to the old Ballarat Cemetery to pay our respects to all those who died in the Eureka Battle, who were buried in the old Ballarat Cemetery at a mass grave. And we expect people to bring flowers. Light lunch, usually outside the Ballarat Cemetery. Isn't it a lovely place for a light lunch? Then we walk from the old Ballarat Cemetery to the Museum of Australian Democracy at Eureka to view the Eureka flag and have a discussion. Then then afternoon tea at Eureka Park. And then from 7pm to 10pm, the Eureka Commemoration Dinner at the Eureka Stockade Hotel. And this year's topic is the... Oh, is it the role the Eureka Rebellion continues to play in the 21st century Australian trade union movement and uh, the head of the Ballarat uh, Trades Hall, Ballarat and Western Victorian Trades Hall, Brett will be uh, the guest speaker. Entertainment by the West Papua and Black Orchid Band and uh, usually it falls about 10 o'clock, 11, 12, who knows. Come along again. You just pay. There's no entry fee. You just pay for your own food and drinks. If you want a seat, you need to book. Start thinking about booking. Write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052 or ring us on 0439 395 489 or email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. As I said, lots of things. While everybody else is winding down, we're winding up. We're slow movers. It takes us a while to get organised. Usually by the end of the year we've got things going. So thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast on your local community radio station. Don't forget the Pibsey Keynote Public Address on Monday night, Wheeler Centre, 172 Little Lonsdale Street, Melbourne. Come along. If you can't do that, you can always go outside Bruce Bilson's office, very nasty member of the uh, Liberal Party, uh, in a cabinet. Minister of Small Business, 11am every Thursday uh, by the Pipsy Frankston Group, a little bit of direct action. Thanks to you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. That number once again, 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville. 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Thank you once again for listening or um, to us on the Anarchist World this week. But remember, you can listen all you like, but nothing changes unless you get up from your seat and start doing things. And if you think everything we talked about is a lot of garbage, form your own group, form your own organisation. If there's no resistance, there's no change. Thank you once again. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. Thanks once again to the Community Radio Network for making this broadcast possible. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.